0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete.
0: Daily Tech News Show is made possible by its listeners. Thanks to all of you, including Dr. X-17, Dustin Campbell, and Tim Deputy. Coming up on DTNS, why the golden age of TV isn't ending, it's just on repeat. Plus, an open source way to do text generators on the cheap. And Lenovo has its first CES announcement. Merry CESmas. miss. <laughs> this is the daily tech news for tuesday december 20th 2022 in los angeles i'm tom Merritt, and from studio redwood i'm sarah lane and out of the
2: suburbs of atlanta this is Terrence gaines and on the show's producer roger Chen.
0: oh my friends uh we are we are in the waning days of 2022 but we still have news uh we still have things to tell you so thanks for being with us let's start with the quick hits
3: Amazon completed its Phase 1 rollout of the Matter Smart Home standard to Echo devices. This adds Matter support to Echo devices through Wi-Fi for smart plugs, smart bulbs, and smart switches, but it's only compatible with Android, at least initially. In Phase 2, planned for 2023, Amazon plans to add Matter to more accessories and add support for the Thread protocol and also iOS. It'll announce more Phase 2 plans at CES.
0: Twitter expanded its pilot for Blue for Business, where select businesses uh, can pay for a subscription that gives them a gold check mark on the business's main account. And now uh, you'll be able to display a small company badge on employee accounts to show that you indeed work with that organization. Brands will also show a square profile picture rather than a round one to distinguish those accounts. No word on how much Blue for Business is costing, though. Also, Twitter CEO Elon Musk recently announced The platform will make major policy decisions through user votes. And in response to a suggestion on Twitter that only Twitter Blue subscribers be allowed to vote on those decisions, Musk replied, good point. Twitter will make that change.
3: Amazon agreed to settlements on two European Union antitrust cases, which involved treatment of third-party sellers on its platform. As part of the settlement, for the next seven years, in the European economic area, Amazon agreed to give third-party sellers an equal opportunity to be selected as the default option for its buy box, as well as to qualify for its prime shipping program. Amazon also won't use non-public data about sellers to compete against them. However, the company will not pay a fine.
0: How'd they pull that one off? I think Google and Apple would like to know. Uh, While the chip shortage has turned into a chip glut in many sectors, in fact, so much so that you're going to hear me uh, try to take credit for my prediction that the chip glut would end in our our predictions results show later this month, it has not been resolved for the automotive industry. The Financial Times reports that automakers are still running behind. Auto Forecast Solutions estimates that automakers will produce three million fewer cars in 2023 than they would have if they had all the chips they need. That is an improvement on this year. 2022, we're looking at a four and a half million shortfall. Auto parts maker Stellantis head Carlos Tavares told Financial Times he thinks shortages will continue throughout most of next year.
3: TikTok will launch a new feature to let users see why a video was recommended in the For You feed. Previously, you really didn't know. Users can see this in the share panel by clicking on a question mark icon labeled Why This Video. Reasons for recommendations include accounts already followed, previous content that was watched, likes or shares, comments, searches, and regional popularity. TikTok says it plans to expand the feature to bring more granularity and transparency to content recommendations.
0: That ear, those are, those are, that is, that is the Quick Hits, those are the Quick Hits. Those are both correct. Yeah,
3: your ear heard them.
0: (laughs) Yes, they're done, (laughs) is the point. Uh, So let's talk about Lenovo. What do they got?
3: Okay, so Lenovo announced what it's going to be showing off of CES in a couple weeks, as Tom mentioned at the top of the show. Lenovo does this. The IdeaPad Slim 5 laptop now lets you choose either an Intel or AMD processor. Intel's version will be called the IdeaPad Slim 5i for Intel. 14-inch versions of the laptops also come with an OLED display. The $350 IdeaPad Flex 3i Chromebook has a 12-inch screen, a 16 by 10 aspect ratio, and an option for a backlit keyboard. But the one that's getting the attention is something called the Go Desk Station with Webcam. It's a few things. It's a USB hub. It's a wireless charger. It has a webcam. And it's also a lamp. The hub part has a 65-watt USB-C port, a 20-watt USB-C port, uh, two USB-A 3.1 ports, and HDMI 2.0 supporting 4K, 60 frame per second screens. It also has a 15-watt uh, Qi wireless charging pad and a Lenovo Go 4K Pro webcam that can do 4K up to 30 frames per second with autofocus and autoframing. That sounds like kind of a nifty device, but remember, it's also a lamp. The <laughs> lamp is on a height-adjustable rotating arm. It's, it's pretty thin, actually. It has three color temperatures and adjustable brightness up to 1600 lux at a half meter. It will be available in March, and if you're interested, it's not super cheap. Starts at $329. You know, so many
0: people are making a big deal about this, but then you told me earlier today the thing that it's for.
3: Yeah, it's for hotel rooms. Makes perfect sense. Uh, Yeah, when I I was reading this, I was like, because, yeah, there were headlines being like, well, this is one of those crazy CES products. You know, we get them every year, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is cool. It's a space saver. And I want one in every hotel room that I visit from this day forward. Uh, and it's that's what I was like gonna... a great little, you know, kind of like a mobile rig that you don't have to pack.
2: Yeah, and I was gonna say a space saver because I do not have a lot of space in my workstation, and I have a webcam and a lamp, and I have a dock where I can plug in multiple USB ports. So this could cut that out, but I did not think about the hotel, and I think that's dope.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Although I don't know about the camera with the hotel. Like maybe there will be a model that uh, where the camera's optional, that might be something Marriott is more likely to buy.
3: Yeah, you know, that's well. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, more and more people are. You know, they do. They're doing they do, work from. Maybe they're doing be a remote thing. stuff. Yeah, maybe I mean, you're yeah. It. There's probably a little bit of like, well, how do I trust that the hotel's not spying yeah, on me? Right. But but you know, you know, you could kind of get that using the hotel Wi-Fi anyway.
2: And you can put a sock on it like they do at the hotels, but I think it's for a different reason. So never mind. <laughs> Thought that was on the door. Never mind. Yeah. A whole yeah. thing. Never, mind. Forget yeah. never mind. Never mind.
0: Uh, never mind. Rewind. <laughs> rewind. Uh, no, this is this is this is definitely. I'm happy to see the first weird CES product uh, get announced. I don't think it's really that weird either. When when you look at it, it's like like you said, Terrence. It's sa- it's a space saver. Uh, it's got great ports like even if it was just a hub a little bit expensive but if it was just a hub a 65 watt, watt port 20 watt port to A's, like these are kind of the ports that most people need these days um uh, not a not a bad product just a little little bit on the high end uh for the price i guess
3: yeah i i, I don't know i i'm not totally in the market for this right now uh because <laughs> my rig is just way less space savery uh but uh but yeah i think it looks nice and
0: seville <laughs> seven is like why would you want a camera in your hotel room we're assuming you're doing video conferencing for your work right right yeah Traverse. you're sitting
3: at a desk right. and you're you know on zoom kind yeah. of thing and, and you want a y- nicer you know,
0: camera than the one built into your laptop
3: right or you, or you don't, just don't want to pack you know all that stuff yourself uh, if are you, you, you know, to. are going to a hotel where you know that something like this would be
2: or you're trying to stack your uh, webcam on your a laptop on yep. anything you can find to get the high enough to where you don't look like you're looking up your nose during the yeah <laughs> during the, the how conference. many
0: ice buckets have i used to stack a webcam on in my life right. uh, yeah and the lighting with the webcam makes a lot of sense we haven't even really mentioned that i feel like it's fairly obvious is that oh because the webcam is in this the lighting can adjust to help your shot; like it's designed yeah. for it to do that, which is really cool too.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's maybe for I don't know reading a book, but mostly for lighting yourself properly with the webcam. I don't know. I you can I, do both. Three hundred thirty bucks, not super cheap, like I said, but I think it's kind of a nifty product. OpenAI's Chat GPT has become quite the tech darling, generating lots of conversation literally by asking it to generate a conversation. But also, people are talking about what it's good at, what it isn't so good at yet, how it should best be used, all sorts of things. One thing that seems less discussed, though, is how much it costs. Associate professor at University of Maryland, Tom Goldstein, did a little back-of-the-envelope calculation and thinks it might be costing OpenAI about $100,000 per day. Now, that estimate might not be totally accurate, might be a little off, But it's probably close enough to say with some confidence that ChatGPT is expensive to run.
0: Yeah, OpenAI has said it's expensive, even if they haven't given the exact uh, number. So we know that. Uh, There's a new project to try to do text generators on the cheap, though. You might recognize Hugging Face as the name of the folks behind the art generator Crayon, formerly known as Dolly Mini. Uh, Hugging Face also backs a workshop called the Big Science Project. Big Science has brought together 600 scientists from 250 institutions in more than 50 countries around the world to study the capabilities of large language models and determine, through that study, how they can responsibly develop and deploy them the team includes tech folks of course engineers programmers all the people you'd expect but it also has experts in law ethics and public policy as well
3: big science has developed a clever workaround to the cost of those llms pedals is the name of its distributed llm it's sort of like folding at home but for generating text it's being developed by folks at Hugging Face and Yandex Research and the University of Washington and has been released on GitHub under the open-source MIT license. It can run Big Science's Bloom model, which is similar to OpenAI's GPT-3.
0: Yeah, so instead of a data center uh, and the electricity it takes to run it and the hundreds of thousands of dollars you have to spend on GPUs, Petals runs on your individual computers times a 1,000 a bunch of people all running the pedals software. Uh, You install some software, you connect to the pedals network, And then you can generate text like you would with ChatGPT, but you can also choose to contribute server resources to the Pedals network from your machine. Each Pedals server handles a part of the workload and then passes it off to someone else on the network. When you combine enough of those together, you can run the powerful language model on the cheap. Now, it doesn't run exactly as fast as ChatGPT. TechCrunch's Kyle Wiggers found it a little bit slower, but in amount of seconds you know he said the longest most complicated prompt he did took 3 minutes to generate so most of the prompts took a few seconds maybe a second or two longer than chat gpt but it wasn't bad
3: so all right so the cost uh is uh, the solvable part right but there are some thornier issues first off bloom isn't really ready for prime time it's meant for research so it doesn't have systems to correct for biases And, you know, those sorts of things that people already talk about being an issue with these sorts of technologies. There are also known vulnerabilities in pedals that could let people access your text prompts. So its operators recommend against entering any sensitive data into prompts. You might as well just assume someone will read them.
0: You know, one of the reasons OpenAI, obviously cost is one of these reasons, but one of the other reasons OpenAI has put so many impediments into people using its stuff when its name is open is they say they want people to use it responsibly. Here's a product, here's a project, Big Science, saying they're trying to figure out how to use it responsibly, but they're taking the tactic of make it as open as possible. Don't gate it so that we can learn from the mistakes. Terrence, what do you think of that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> there's going to be mistakes to be made because people are not going to use it responsibly, especially that if they've announced and just made it open that there are not systems incorrect uh, in place for biases and they don't ha- and there are known vul- vulnerabilities in that could let people do all the different type of things. So um, it's going to be a tight rope. A lot of their time is going to be spent in, Where do we draw the line between keeping it open in order to learn, in order to uh, catch some of these things when we get ready for prime time versus, you know what, this is going to be a tough challenge just to tackle this. Is it really worth it? You know, I I see them trying to toe that line and that's going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah. The GitHub vulnerability one, particularly like telling people don't put sensitive info in here does constrain what you can use it for. Right. So hopefully they mm-hmm. get those fixed fast. The other one is the, the the whole issue of misuse. And, and yes, the fact is they want to see people misuse it so they can figure out how to stop them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. But that's makes a lot of people uncomfortable i'm sure have have you met americans uh-huh. yeah <laughs> they're going to do that yeah they're yeah. going
2: to they're going to accept the challenge oh, and, and, and let's,
0: let's not be american exceptionalists uh, there's people around the world who are I good at this sort of thing.
3: earthlings yeah. will try to break something if possible uh, yeah the, my my first question when i read about this was well first of all i was like cool i want to participate i would love to do this um and, you know ch- ch- use my computer great um it, it, you know my second question was okay so how does this distributed way of creating something that becomes a machine learned uh you know text generator that can give us great information and 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 seems like a human itself how is it going to get weird <laughs> with the you know this open source setup with thousands of you know people uh, trying to not everybody is going to use it to do weird things but a lot of people are. I think if you're a researcher you're like get weird. Mm-hmm. You know, let you know it, it, let's figure out where it, things start to break down and how to build something that's smarter as a result. I just think it it's probably pretty messy for a while before it gets to that point.
0: You know, for I, a while. I Yeah, I hadn't thought about this, but we we have a test case with Dolly Mini, which is now called Crayon. The the same conversation was being had that, you know what, they are not being as responsible as OpenAI because they're putting it out for anyone to use. Uh, And yes, we definitely saw Crayon, a.k.a. Dolly Mini, uh, used in some odd ways, but it hasn't turned into you know, this this big, massive nightmare. So maybe the same is true of Petals because they have people who are watching to see, like, okay, that's something we need to figure out. Let's work on that.
2: hmm yeah, yeah, I would say as long as they make sure we are watching, you mm-hmm. know, maybe that will, you know... Um, of course, get, people are going to get weird, but at the same time, it's like, all right, well, this is for research, so let me put something that is uh, weird but not... Uh, <laughs> offensively uh i can be s-
0: subjected to weird i don't know <laughs> I, you know what you may, i think you're onto something terrence it's, it's the difference between 600 scientists working on a limited project because big science is a year-long project versus a vice president in charge of a small team who works at a company funded by ads you know mm-hmm. there's different motivations yeah. there i'm not saying that's open ai but you know you got meta you got it google in on this too so yeah. Mm-hmm. well folks uh if you're feeling social and how could you not after that conversation get in touch with <laughs> us uh we are available on the social networks we're at dtns show on twitter at daily tech news show on tiktok and at dtns Pix with an x dtns pix on instagram
3: quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com.
1: The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI, with models at every point on the price-performance curve. You no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com slash Tap iPhone.
3: Insiders, Paris Marks has an article up called, The Golden Age of Streaming TV is Over. I know. The subhead says, Netflix used to offer a library full of cutting-edge shows and movies, But now it's introduced ads and is producing more bland, mass appeal shows, just like cable.
0: Now, Marx's argument is that streaming isn't making money as much as it used to, or at least the money may be distributed because there's so much competition, so no individual company is making as much money. Uh, So streamers are retreating to lowest common denominator shows. Basically, increased competition has forced Netflix to go from trying to replicate HBO, uh, in Marx's words, to being more like the Hallmark Channel. Uh, not to mention, they're adding reality shows like Love is Blind, Is It great, Cake. Great
3: show, by the way.
0: They <laughs> held <Nailed> it. Uh, <laughs> one or more of these may be among the favorites of people on this show. Uh, Mark has seen documents shared by talent agents that say Netflix is out there pitching. Big broad stories that can be told on a budget, uh, so they're they're reining in the purse strings. In the end, Marx notes that the same thing happened to cable. Independent networks that people thought would topple the network oligopoly got bought by the big players. So ESPN went to Disney, USA went to NBC, etc. Now the same thing is happening in a kind of a different way to streaming, where we're seeing the consolidation. Terence, should we be surprised?
2: No. Um, Because it's entertainment in the end. You know, Um, of course, Netflix was, you know, the new kid on the block because they were the new kid on the block. Now they're not. So I don't know if that uh, automatically excludes them from the golden age of television. I don't know what the golden age of television even is. Or let me say golden age of streaming TV. Mm-hmm. Is that just because they were spending a bunch of money and now they're trying to get. Uh, uh, like you said, pull the reins in and get more precise with what they use? Or are they just putting out entertainment that people love? We get on streaming, we get on Twitter, we get on social media and talk about these shows, and Netflix goes, oh, they want more of that? All right, give them that. So, I mean, are we really surprised that they're essentially giving us what we want?
3: Yeah, the the argument that Merck makes, uh, saying less like HBO, more like the Hallmark Channel, no, it depends with the on channel. Depe- hey, oh, that's my point. Depends <laughs> on who you are, of course. But a lot of people are like Hallmark channels the best. Uh, it, you know, like just give me more rom coms. And I think, in many cases, first of all, sure. For a super high budget, super highly produced, uh, award winning show, you're going to have to spend a lot of money. And you can do that and you can have a hit and that can be extremely beneficial for any streaming service. We, we know what the, what the, you know, the examples of those are, but to kind of have more stuff that is consumable, perhaps maybe it's not this, you know, Sunday night, 9 PM appointment viewing type thing uh, like some of the shows, you know, still enjoy, but you have more variety and people, do like cable for the reason that you turn the TV on and then it's just kind of on.
0: I, I feel like this is this is just a repeat. We we see this over and over. Uh, we we saw it with cable, where cable networks were independent. They put on shows that the broadcast networks would never have done, pushing the broadcast shows to be more creative uh, and and giving us a, a golden age of television in the eighties and nineties. Uh, and then uh, the big networks all merged together and bought up all the networks. And then people said, Oh, it's all reality shows now. And the sci-fi network does wrestling, not sci-fi shows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing again. Uh, we have a bunch of streaming networks come in. They try some stuff. We see shows that we never would have saw otherwise, which is cool. I'm not arguing with Marx that, that he's wrong. It is cool. But it always happens that then at some point they have to pay the bills and they make things that are massively popular. And unfortunately, it's not a trick. These are popular. There are people who like these kinds of shows and, you know, I there's a little bit of looking down your nose at it when you, when you say like, oh, those Hallmark Channel shows. You may not like them a lot of people may not like them maybe you can objectively prove in your doctoral thesis that they're bad uh but that doesn't stop the fact that a lot of people are going to watch them so that's why netflix and others are going to make them
3: i mean listen i don't watch every reality show that's ever made but i watch quite a few of them um And I have no shame in that. I love reality programming (laughs) when it's catered to me. Uh, Love is Blind, great example of that. Also love the 90 Day Fiancé franchise, which there are like a hundred spinoffs of now. I mean, you can watch that stuff all day and never even get to anything else. And I'm not alone. Again, yes, I'm probably not gonna learn a whole lot out of it, but it could be something that you put on when you're sleepy or you put on while you're cooking or maybe you're just, riveted and you sit there and watch it. Cable television has enjoyed these types of shows for quite some time. Why wouldn't the streaming services enjoy the same kind of, you know, eyeball retention for lack of a more human way to put it?
2: Yeah, no, I just think that, I mean, this is the way things go. The newness, as they call it, is gone. So mm. now it's just like this is just entertainment right now when Netflix and streaming was like this new new thing with all these new different types of content now the newness is gone the honeymoon is over whatever cliche you want to use now we're back to just watching tv while we're cleaning up we're I are mean, just not watching also, cable anymore
3: they're still gonna try and swing for a a big hit with an original show here oh, and yeah. there. i mean netflix is netflix is only one example but just using it as the example for purposes of our conversation i mean netflix has had lots of lots of those wins it's not like they're not going to stop trying. It's just that, yeah, you can't just pay for every big budget show that you think might be a win.
0: I I think what's interesting about this time around is instead of seeing everybody get bought up by the same companies, uh, we've seen some new entrants that are going to stick. Amazon Prime Video is going to stick. Apple TV Plus is going to stick. Those two companies aren't going anywhere and they're going to keep making these shows. Uh, Netflix is probably going to stick. It would have been bought by now, I think. Now, Never say never. It could become the next Yahoo and eventually get you know bought up or, or, or something. But right now, I don't think Netflix is in the market to sell itself. So you have three brand new entrants that are making lots of shows. And yeah, Netflix may be more like TNT or USA Network than people expected them to be. Uh, but Apple TV is definitely the HBO of this landscape right now, where they're willing to just make prestige shows and not worry about whether they're successful or not. They want Emmys because they're going to make their money in other ways uh so it's it's a it's an more interesting landscape as this time it consolidates where it looks like maybe the disneys the paramounts certainly the warner brothers discoveries are the ones that are going to get eaten up possibly by some of these new entrants
2: yeah absolutely because again the reason why we switch from cable is We need more choice. Now we've Mm -hmm. got tons and tons and tons of different choices. Now we're like, oh, okay, wait up. So, you know, a lot of the peacocks, a lot of those shows may just get that back back seat to where they don't get that same type of. And they'll get scooped up eventually. But like you mentioned, Netflix and Disney and HBO and Apple TV, you know, they're the big ones. And they're going to keep that content. And like Sarah said, they're going to swing for the fences every once in a while. And they'll keep us there. But they'll also do that guilt you know, guilt uh, television that people watch, but really don't like to mention that they watch, but you know they're watching <laughs> because you're watching them on Twitter talking about it. And that's, I mean, it's good for everybody.
0: Yeah. Normalized guilty pleasures. That's what I see. <laughs>
3: Indeed. Well, we were talking about uh, crazy tech that we might see popping up at CES earlier in the show. And gaming mouse manufacturer Final Mouse uh, has scooped you all, uh, announcing the Final Mouse Centerpiece. It's a $349 keyboard with a screen embedded underneath transparent keycaps and switches. The idea is to look like you're typing on the screen directly, but it has a feel of a traditional mechanical switch uh, type keyboard that a lot of people cannot live without. The Optimus... Popularis uh, was a similar product you might have known it you might have bought it but that used its screen to display things like keyboard shortcuts so Final Mouse's technology that it's calling display circuit glass stack seems a little bit more meant to be just fun than useful visualizations uh, include a matrix style green scrolling text uh, nature videos some interactivity as well uh, there's one that uh, shows a pool of water under the keys and every time you, you you press a key, there's a little splash. Uh, there's a, even a simple interactive game option. Now, the final mouse centerpiece can store three skins at any time. Additional skins are available to swap in and out on an app called the Free Thinker Portal. The keyboard's built-in CPU and GPU run the skins using Unreal Engine Five. Wait, and the
0: keyboard has a G, its own GPU. Okay, <laughs> yes, indeed it does.
3: And for anybody being like, "What are you even talking about?" Do check our show notes because there's a video that gives you a great indication of what this is. I mean, it's my worst nightmare. I also don't look at my keyboard very often you would because you have that one. <laughs> because I'm looking at my screen. I don't know. I you know, I would love for somebody to be like, "This is so cool," and here's why. You know, m- rather than d- sort of the novelty of being like, I got a weird keyboard, everybody look at this.
0: But there's
2: fish oh, sure. swimming around on my keyboard. You got a koi pond on your yeah. desk. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think this is the, for the niche folks to have the the desk set up workstation as a actual hobby, not necessarily for, oh, I need to set this up perfectly because I need to shoot videos or because I need to edit uh, videos or because I'm on the stock market and I need 14 screens. It's like what I've been able to um, uh, check out is people have a desk set up as the hobby in and of itself mm-hmm. and they take a lot of joy, a lot of pride, a lot of artistic uh, art- art- artesianists if that's a word goes into <laughs> setting up this perfect uh, desktop and I could see this being uh, this keyboard being something that people want to display just for the sake of being a display, not necessarily being functional it's like pimp my
3: ride but for exactly you know yeah like the the next gen laptop
0: pimp my desk
3: pimp my desk (laughs)
0: yeah there you go yeah it's uh, people are into mechanical keyboards so yeah this does not surprise me all right let's check out the mailbag
3: Let's do it. So Rick wrote in with some thoughts on our sports conversation uh, about sports rights from yesterday's show with Ayaz Akhtar joining us. Rick says, Apple doesn't have any sports executives on their team and is trying to dictate terms, which will never happen. Apple is out and now they're leaking to stay relevant. Remember that the Sunday package is nothing special. All they're doing is taking all the broadcast feeds and making them available. They get one minute an hour to sell and must turn over all the data. Apple's been used as a stocking horse for a long time. Amazon has been playing the game right by showing its commitment to the NFL. Google's been a late entry to the talks and a must-have tier one sports product to remain viable in future talks.
0: Definitely good insight. Rick, thank you for this. Uh, Yeah, I I went and looked it up because I was like, I think he's right. I don't think they have a lot of sports executive. Uh, The person that I found that's running uh, business or Apple Sports Video for, for Apple is James DeLorenzo. Uh, he's a former person from Amazon where he was head of sports there. Uh, and before that was at 120 sports and sports illustrated and, and CBS local. So he's, he's got some experience. He's not a bad guy to be running it, but he's not like a long time sports insider like Rick is talking about and, and using Apple to drive up the price. Very smart NFL. Yeah. Get Apple to bid that thing up. And then when you go to Amazon, you can say, well, Apple was willing to give us this much, you know, come on. You have to get at least close.
3: Well, thanks, Rick, for writing in. Uh, Good insight, indeed. And if you have insight in anything that we talk about, we do want your emails. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com is where to send them. Uh, So thanks to all of you. And also thanks to Terrence Gaines for being with us today. Terrence, where can people keep up with your work?
2: Sure, sure, sure. You can find me on my All Things Apple podcast at SnobOSCast.com. That's where me and my co-host, Nika Monfort, talk All Things Apple And then some, with then some being eh, pretty much whatever else we want to talk about outside of Apple. In addition to that, you can can find me at the Tech John, that's T-H-E-T-E-C-H-J-A-W-N, where me, Stephanie, and Rob Dunwood talk about all things tech from a different, a.k.a. black perspective. So definitely check us out there, and I definitely appreciate your viewership.
3: Well, we appreciate you being on the show. We also appreciate... Two brand new bosses, and we'd like to thank them now. Herbert and Ashley just started backing us on Patreon. Thank you, Herbert. Thank you, Ashley, and welcome.
0: Yeah, making it in by the end of the year means clocks ticking on getting a new Patreon merch. Delen uh, Peralta did himself with the nine-year anniversary logo. We're turning nine on January second, uh, and so if you if you stick as a patron like Herbert and Ashley uh, for three months, you'll start getting some some stuff, some stickers, some mugs, some t-shirts. Uh, go check it out: Patreon.com/slash DTS.
3: Speaking of patrons, stick around for the extended show, Good Day Internet. What will we talk about today? We don't even know yet, but you can catch the show live Monday through Friday. DTNS is at 4 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC. You can find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live. We're back doing it all again tomorrow with Scott Johnson joining us. Talk to you then.
1: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com.
0: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.
3: (laughs) Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello